Hello and welcome to another episode of No Controller Necessary. <laughs> oh God, I'm so old. I've realized how old I am at just mere seconds. Alex, my co-host, are you still there? Oh, I'm still young as fuck, dude. Wait, <laughs> I don't no. Know what, what sort of sick witches brew you drank? But I'm fine. <laughs> What's happened to me? It must be all these. Old games I've been playing. <laughs> By chance, have you played any old games lately? I have. I have, in fact, played a couple of old games, and I was hoping you could walk me through your ancient pre-World War II memory of what video games were like at that time. Well, we didn't have any Banjo-Kazooie. Or whatever you kids play these we days. We were too busy fighting in the war, making the Nazis go bang, bang, kablooey. I thought of that <laughs> joke and I could not say it. <laughs> I don't get the joke. I mean, I don't get the joke. Banjo, kazooie, and then there's World War Two, bang, bang, kablooey. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, how do I get out of this voice? <laughs> Just, how do I do it? I don't, I don't know. You've built this your own prison. Give me the elixir. <laughs> Here you go. It's it's blue and glowing, so it's got to be good for you. Glug 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 glug. That was some delicious blue Powerade. <laughs> that's the old people never try blue Powerade, and that's the elixir of life. It was just blue Powerade with a small battery-powered LED inside of it to give it that <laughs> unique glow. So this is the episode where we just kind of like do our own thing. We don't really follow any topics, any <laughs> ideas, any games. We just kind of fuck around for an hour and you are forced to listen. But for real, um, let's talk. We're going to talk about just kind of like old games. We've been playing Final Fantasy VIII on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash thoughts from player one. And, uh, you know, we've been enjoying it i i've been enjoying it quite a lot and it's got me thinking about older games i mean we've been playing near replicant as well which mm -hmm. is you know a remake of an older game from 10 years ago um and the just mass effect remaster trilogy just came out so everyone's talking about old video games there as well it's uh right it's, it's a time it's a time for that you know it's, it's kind of a trendy, hip topic right now to talk about old video games. <laughs> um, and I just kind of wanted to, um, to bring that to all of your attention. So I guess what I want to open up with is outside of Final Fantasy, which we've been playing together and sort of near, because that's like not really an old game, but it kind of is just because it's a remaster. What other old games have you been playing lately? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because I don't have or a good Or thinking answer. about. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I've been thinking about... Um, I have been thinking a lot about Mass Effect because I am very interested in going back and playing it again or, or watching somebody play it again or convincing you to play it again on stream or play it for the first time on stream. So so that has been on my mind. Um, I've also been playing a lot of Binding of Isaac, which is then making me go back and remember a lot of the like earlier run-based type games that I've been playing mm -hmm. or or that I was playing, you know, five or, or seven or ten years ago or, or probably not ten years ago. I don't know. How old am I? Maybe ten years ago. That sounds like it would track. <laughs> Um, and yeah. I've also been watching a lot of StarCraft, so I've been thinking a lot about my time with StarCraft okay. 1 and 2 from, I mean, StarCraft 1, my time with that was do like people, 14 uh, sorry, years yeah. ago or whatever, but go on. Do people still play StarCraft 1? Or is um, everyone kind of on 2? Most, I would say most people are on 2, but they put out that, uh, they put out like StarCraft 1 Remastered at some point, and okay. it was actually like really well received on like the WarCraft 3 remaster that Blizzard did, which was super <laughs> right. poorly received. 
Yeah. Um, and I think there's like a mild competitive scene for it, but I think the majority of people are are, are still on that StarCraft II train. I don't actually know how popular StarCraft II is right now. I don't, I don't feel like I see it in many major tournaments mm. ever. I don't feel like I see it streamed all too terribly much, um, but it, maybe it has like a huge you know, fan base that's not playing competitively. I don't really know, but uh, that game still whips, and watching people play that game still whips, so I'm still enjoying my time with it quite a bit. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about Final Fantasies and earlier RPGs and, and stuff like that because we've been playing it on stream, and I think it's really interesting to see how how far that genre has come and also sometimes how far that genre absolutely has not come. Um, right, yeah, and I mean, just to circle back to the popularity of, of, of StarCraft 2, excuse me. <laughs> My dog wanted to weigh in on that. He he was he heard about uh, what I was about to say, and he went, "No, absolutely not. Don't. That's um, not you talking, Duncan. That's the blue Powerade <laughs> with the LED in it." <laughs> there are there are um, there are three point three thousand people streaming StarCraft Two right now, and in comparison, there are one hundred and forty three thousand people streaming League of Legends. The watching streams that's... of watching streams of not streaming. Oh yes, yes. That sorry, one hundred and forty-three thousand League of Legends streams. That would be amazing if that was true. So I mean, I think I think that's still pretty popular. Yeah, um, it's not it's it, not it, bad or anything like that. It just no. you know I I was you know StarCraft Two had I think a bit of a heyday when like competitive gaming was becoming more popular in the U.S. and like the not mainstream but like a slightly more pseudo mainstream. Um, I think right. you know that it kind of fizzled out before. You know, Dota became huge, and and Riot Just got into league stuff, and Overwatch, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know all that, and Valorant have all like really popped off in a way that I, I don't think StarCraft Two ever quite caught that success. But I do think it's it's still one of the most interesting games to watch. So yeah, I think that uh helps well, quite a bit for it. Well, in terms of Final Fantasy VIII, I I, uh, I I don't have any nostalgia for it, and we've done a whole other episode on nostalgia, so we're gonna try and stay away from that topic completely, but. In terms of, like, that game, do you think a lot of your enjoyment of that game is based on nostalgia, or do you think it's, excuse me, just that it's, like, a interesting game to consume overall? Like, so how are you is, feeling about it? This is what's fascinating about uh, us going back and, and, like, you streaming it with fresh eyes and me streaming it, or not me watching you play it, like, kind of knowing... I mean, honestly, not remembering a lot about it, but knowing, gen- like, generally what it is and where the story is, is, is going. Um, I I feel like we get a really good representation of maybe what the game does right and what the game does I shouldn't say right and wrong what it does like well and what it doesn't work for us um but I I definitely I feel like a lot of it holds up um PS1 era graphics never hold up like they're just the it's the worst style of graphics it aged it aged like milk 45 seconds into the PS2's lifetime it was it was atrocious um but I think some of the design mechanics that they do, like some of the ways they play with traditional RPG mechanics is, is pretty interesting in terms of like making magic also part of your equipment setup and making magic like a consumable resource that you have to be like kind of balancing a little bit. Uh, I also just think like the story is kind of bonkers in a lot of ways that's extremely fun. So I, I think it holds up better than I expected it to. Um, but it does have the problem that all PS1 era Final Fantasy games have, which is, you know, there are random encounters and random encounters is the worst game design idea ever to exist. It's just so bad and so frustrating and so annoying. Sure. I, I think Final Fantasy is a great game to put up 
to a lens of like talking about older games and because like that was to my understanding like because i wasn't a playstation i was a nintendo kid so while you were playing ps1 i was playing the nintendo 64 Mm -hmm. Um, which held up much better i think graphically as i i think controller in in certain ways oh the controller is a fucking uh, a torture device that that was that they re they made a thousand torture devices ten thousand torture devices and went can we turn this into a controller and then they, <laughs> that's what they did uh, but I, I i think that was like the hot hot game like final fantasy was like the reason a big reason why people played ps1 right like like it was oh, pretty yeah. big especially yeah, so- seven specifically because Everything six and before was on Nintendo consoles, right? And then seven like popped off in such a huge way that I think it probably moved a ton of those units. Eight was not as well received. I think people still generally liked it, but I think it um a lot of people who were super hyped on seven ended up not clicking with eight at all. Right. So I, I think it's a super interesting game to hold under a scope for me, um, as someone who, you know, didn't play any Final Fantasies and only like dip their toes into jrpgs and things like that when they were younger because a lot of this game is like i mean i don't play any jrpgs today so like seeing their sort of birth in in a way um and and what was like big at that point versus like what's big this point as far as jrpgs go is is really interesting and i and i have a ton of respect for them trying different systems and different ways to innovate on turn-based combat because i think final fantasy 8 is such a a weird subject because it it seems like when i look at like turn-based rpgs today it, it doesn't they don't really do a lot to try and like re-innovate on that system and i think that's what i look for today it is like hey how are you making this turn-based system that has been around for years and years and years more interesting and a little bit you know different and it's not like they re-innovated it completely but like you know there's a lot of interesting things with magic like alex mentioned and and i i I think it's a weird subject because again it's like what i look for today but also it's like an older game so Mm -hmm. i don't know it's um it's really fascinating and i'm enjoying my time with it i i don't I'm not seeing the story yet. I, I don't think I see it yet, but I see its potential in a lot of ways. Um, it, I just, it just liked the, it's very we, slow. We've played what, like ten hours of it on stream? Probably. That, that feel right. That feels about right. That um, feels right. I don't know. I, I guess like mild Final Fantasy eight spoilers for the first ten hours, but you know, the game's like, hey, you're a child soldier about to graduate. Go stop this military conflict. Okay, cool. Now go help these people try to kidnap the president. Okay, cool. Now you're on a mission to go assassinate the peace ambassador who's also a witch. And like, right. <laughs> it is sort of off the rails. Like, you know, it's all kind of grounded. I think the um, the the problem a lot of these games have is that character development is very drawn out. So a lot of characters start as tropes before they get fleshed out a little bit, and and specifically a lot of the Final Fantasy games, the protagonist character um, is never interesting early on, uh, and I think that is extremely true in this one, where it's just like, we get it, you're a fucking moody boy, I don't care anymore. Um, but that so runs that... through today, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like a lot of JRPG pro tags are are that same that same way, and it takes forever, and and they don't really develop in interesting ways. They're usually just like. You know what? I do actually care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And that, so, yeah. you know, I, I think that to some extent that is true of a lot of types of storytelling. I don't want to lay that completely at the feet of JRPGs, right? Sure, it's, sure. it's just storytelling in general. But I think that the type of person who is drawn to those games more frequently than just like one every now and again, it, I, there's like a, you know, you know what you're getting in for, right? So you're in for, hey, I want to see these characters develop over the course of, you know, 80 hours if you're playing Persona 5, like 140 hours or whatever. Right? Like, I really want to see this drawn out to its full conclusion. I want to get all the minute details. And I think a lot of people um, play a lot of these games. You know, I'm thinking specifically of like the, you know, the Dragon Quest games and the Xenosaga games um, where it's like, oh, to some extent, there is a lot of just comfort food in this game, right? There is a lot of just you are playing this game either because you connected with it a lot as a child and so you're still really invested in it or you know you something about one of these characters clicks with you or just like you enjoy inhabiting that world and you don't mind if you have to inhabit it for like 45 hours before anything like really really picks right. up and i think that there's nothing wrong with that and I, it's not you know i think i was much more that way when i was younger um but which now way? Much like, more which example? Like, I was okay with things taking a lot longer to pick up. Right. Um. I think that that's probably been a running theme through a lot of this podcast is is us saying things take too long to pick up. Um. And I think the payoff can absolutely be there. I just have less patience for it now than I did when I was, you know, well, I significantly mean, yeah. younger. You're an adult now, and you have to do job, and you know, you I, have all these obligations. I and have to like... do job and cook and clean and oh, <laughs> so much time. But you've also like. You've also seen it before, right? Where it's kind of like, yes, yes, I know. The protagonist doesn't care. You don't have to tell me again. Like, I know this. Like, it, it's kind of interesting because I feel like when I experienced that story first, um, you know, way, way back, whether it be any RPG or any, like, character archetype like that, really, or, or story, it was super engaging because you're a baby. You don't know. <laughs> like, you don't know any better. And, and now that you're older, it's like, yes... Yes, I know the protagonist doesn't care. And yes, I know he will come around to this. But how are you going to, you know, make that differently? And I think oh, yeah. it, it really speaks to designing a game for a certain age range and things like that of like, what have you seen before and things like that. And I think that's a and I mean, it can apply to a younger because they also haven't seen it as well or like a less experienced or less uh seasoned vet of, mm -hmm. of of games and stuff like that so yeah, I mean, there's, I, I also, there's also just like you know that type of trope is easy to root for right it's easy to root for okay come around like why you know i know you're going to come around eventually just do it and like i'll, I'll watch this shell get softened over time right and i think that there's like there is a degree of satisfaction in that um i don't mm -hmm. think it's enough to overcome for me personally but I, I can definitely understand but you are right when i was like 10 years old i was like dude cloud only cares about money it's so fucking <laughs> cool and different he doesn't care that the planet's dying he just wants his paycheck and he wants to go home. that's so radical dude now i'm like Jesus <laughs> he doesn't christ, care about christ up <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean like a hundred percent and i also think there's another thing as as the person who's sitting in, in the gamer chair so to speak um <laughs> who's actually playing the game um uh <laughs> sorry there's a person who's sitting in the 250 dollar gamer chair with no back support so to speak <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't have a gamer chair. I, you can I, check stream. I, I, um, but um, I, I think there is just like a, a universal, and this is something I wanted to dig into, especially with with older games. Is like there's a universal 
love and and something that persists through games today of just seeing numbers go up mm. and i think that's mm-hmm. a lot of what final fantasy brings to the table and what makes it still good to this day to feel good to play because like those xp numbers going up getting new cards that have bigger numbers and like you know just even stocking more magic like i feel secure knowing i have 30 fires like <laughs> I, I feel happy in my soul knowing that and i think that's such a universal um uh, like game game um joy to see those numbers be high and obviously there's a balance to it like you can't just be like here you go have a hundred thousand of this item like it has to be satisfying to have that but i think that's such a like that's what makes that old game in those old game philosophy still like work in today like and making me feel like oh this is still really fun because i'm leveling up i'm getting stronger and the things around me i'm i'm able to kill them yeah i you mean know? that's you know that that is the basis for an entire genre of games right like any sort of idle or clicker game where the numbers just go up and up and up over time like mm-hmm. it's just like a shot of serotonin straight to the center of your brain that's probably not how serotonin works but you know it's it just it (laughs) it feels good to watch the watch the numbers get bigger and i i don't know what in my lizard brain loves that but it does you know it it feels good and that especially when games allow you to do the like when they facilitate you doing like a victory lap where you're fighting enemies towards the end of the game or something that you had fought previously that were difficult to, you know, you are like, oh, hey, here's a boss that you fought mm-hmm. four hours into the game, but now you're 45 hours into the game and you're going to one shot him. And it's going to feel awesome because you just recognize the distance that you've come along the way. I think that that type of design philosophy gets, uh, I don't know, it gets it gets quite a bit of distance out of how little it's actually doing but i you know i i don't actually know the design philosophy behind like how you make the numbers go up and at what pace you make the numbers go up and when you should uh, apply spikes here and when people will get bored because they're not going up fast enough and i think that sort of back-end stuff is actually extremely fascinating um Mm -hmm. but i don't know much about it to talk but i do think you're right i think there's a, a huge component of that that that, that feels good i mean i've been playing like i mentioned i've been playing a lot of binding of isaac and like there is a to some extent there's a component of that too where it's just like okay there are a lot of super interesting items in this game right binding of isaac again top down roguelike you you shoot tears that are effectively bullets and that's kind of like a bullet hell type game and you get a bunch of random items and there's ones that do a lot of really interesting stuff and that's why i like that game but every time you get one that's just a raw stat boost i am like fuck the numbers are just better now it feels good when the yeah. numbers are bigger. I like this quite a bit. Uh, I think that <laughs> that sort of drive keeps me coming back to a game over and over more than it like maybe reasonably should, but fuck it. I enjoy it. And I don't I finished Cookie Clicker, so what am I going to do now, you know? <laughs> right. And that's like one of the I I kind of wanted to talk about and ask you about things that you thought were like a universal thing that comes from old games that still uh, that has persisted throughout the years to be like a positive design dynamic for you because like you know numbers going up was one i listed um killing things is another one i listed which is just kind of like (laughs) i don't know if i want to dig into the psychology of that but like every game i've thought of where i'm like god damn i love that game has just been about like killing things with you know exceptions to undertale somewhat but i mean that game was basically just 
not killing things, but you were still fighting things. Exceptions you know? to maybe the number one game we've ever played on this podcast, where you kill literally nothing for the whole game. But you know, who's to that's say? true? Who's to say? Who's to say? But 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 I mean, like a lot of games, like to this day, so many things are just based on making other things die. Uh, what what do you? If you don't have anything, that's no, I fine. Mean, that's, I just honestly, you just got like I because I, I think that specific thing you said is so fascinating that like that is the mechanic right like that is the thing that we took and made the basis for every other game is either killing or causing pain to something even when you're you're playing a character that is ostensibly trying not to do harm the mechanic you engage with the most is still probably something that is doing harm under the guise of eventually not having to do with much harm right like oh i won't kill you if i'm going to incapacitate you right like there are like you said there are exceptions to this rule i think uh that we've seen a lot of these like pop out of the indie scene but i do think it's fascinating that that like that is the mechanic, which, you know, again, makes some degree of sense because it is the easiest to extrapolate out into making you feel like you, you are doing something that is weighty, making you feel like you are doing something that has a lot of motion involved, which is things that a lot of games try to try to ape is, is that feeling. Um, and then also it's just like, hey, we don't want to put too much thought into how you have to resolve this conflict, so kill the person. <laughs> <laughs> right right it's either um it's like that that like fable where it's like you can either kill the man and steal all of his goods or not <laughs> it's up to you really <laughs> um, you can play this game any way you want you can kill everyone or you can return it to GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> feeder molyneux is, is really really selling it to me but uh yeah i mean when i think about it where i, I was kind of thinking about alternatives to things but that's just such a like when you really get down to the core of a lot of design, it's just, okay, we need a, a goal for someone, right? Like we need something to go from 100 to zero, whether that be progress, you know, through a world or like, you know, uh, or, or or an enemy or something like that. It's kind of just like you have to, as a, as a player, like as a player character, you usually have to be some organic living creature and if you're going to throw conflicts in that creature's face, whether it be human or animal or whatever, you're usually going to run into human versus human, you know, like conflicts like that or, or creature versus creature. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like, that's just natural. Like if you're going to do that, it has to be resolved by a hundred to zero, like, you know, resolution. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's such a weird thing that it's like, okay, this has carried out throughout time. Yeah, and I think we have seen, um, like I said, I, I, I think in the last, I don't know, I'd say seven years or so, I at least have been aware of a lot more games that are trying to, you know, shake that, right? And, you know, obviously there's like racing games and, and genres that don't have that sort of conflict, but they also right. don't build like storylines that would require conflict resolution as much. Obviously, they do to some degree, but, you know, not always. But, you know, again, also aping from our, our top ten list, like, Life is Strange, right? There's no direct combat in Life is Strange 1. So, yeah. you, you know, there's not a lot of, like, killing people in that game, right? And I, I, I'm trying to remember, a, there's a card game that I cannot remember the name of right now that is all about, like, communicating with people with language barriers between the two of you, right? And there's... Um, there are, I, I think I feel like I've seen a lot more increasingly high number of card games that are like, oh, hey, but this deck is, you know, you're doing the same thing you would do, but it's not conflict resolution through violence. It's conflict, conflict resolution through communication or persuasion. And it's just played out in this other way that still gives you that same kind of feeling of having hundred to zeroed something, but 
not having that be represented by physical violence. And I do think yeah. that's interesting. And I, I, I hope that we continue to see more of that because I feel like it's a deeply underexplored space because, you know, people want to hit the button to punch something. But then also when you, you know, part of that is also probably, um, um, I'm completely blanking on the word. Yeah, part of it is 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 living out a sort of fantasy that you can't live out in real life, right? Like, whoa, I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm not somebody who is going to, like, <laughs> walk up to somebody who's being an asshole and punch him in the face, right? Because I, I don't think that's the way to resolve a lot of these situations. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't want to get my fucking ass beat, and I don't want to beat somebody's ass and have that on my conscience. But, like, in a video game, you can be like, hey, there's no negative repercussions. Nobody is getting physically hurt. That person sucks. I'm going to punch them in the face because it is immediately... You know, it, it gives you that that sort of like, ah, cool, I've resolved this. It's very satisfying to have done that, but I didn't actually have to physically harm anyone, right? And I think that there's a, a degree of, of separation there that makes that a, um, I don't know, a satisfying type of resolution because it is so inaccessible in real life. Right, yeah, 100%. And as a, I was going to make a joke there, but I think it, it, it's it's long. it's been long enough where I'm not going to do that. That's why I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. You want to kill someone in real life? I barreled past <laughs> it because I was like, oh, this joke's going to be in bad taste. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, on you. Good on you. Uh, in but terms no, of, I, I, I do not have a mechanic off the top of my head in terms of things that I'm happy that carried over from old games or that became ubiquitous. I do think the style of uh i don't know i guess for lack of a better word secret keeping that that happened in older video games is is still Mm. around to some degree and i always am fascinated and love it whenever it, it comes and pops up in a mainstream game you know where it's like hey here's a you know extra mechanic or an extra something that is very secretly hidden in the game there are hints to point you in that direction but you are not you know you're not unlocking a thing because you did a quest line, right? You are, hey, take this little bit of information, bring it over here, use it in this area to get this other little bit of information, and then kind of, like, put that together into something that I think fell out of vogue because so few players were able to interact can with you it. Can you give me an example? I, I, I'm, I'm, I can think of a lot of examples modernly, but I'm thinking of, like, older games. So a lot of, I, I, I will say, a lot of earlier Final Fantasy games had stuff like that that I think was pretty interesting. Um, you know, even things as simple as like in Ocarina of Time, right? The the quest to get like the big Goron sword, where it was, you know, that one was like a little bit more on its face, but that type of thing where it's, you know, a quest line that is not explicitly written in as much as the other quest lines, I think were were a little not more common because I think, like I said, I think it's come around a lot in the last like five or seven years, but I feel like it really dipped around like the mid. 2000s early aughts where it just stopped being a thing um and uh, maybe to some extent that's just because i used game faqs all the time back then I don't right know. right but i i feel like that's become a little more commonplace and then when you get back down to like all the way down to like nes era games they were you know chock full of them because they explained literally nothing about the games at any point so everything well, you were finding was in... out was like a, a a secret and a lot of like early pc games were the same sort of way where it's like hey you everything's going to be kind of secretive because we are going to like explicitly obfuscate what you're supposed to do the majority of the time. So you won't see most of it on one run, you know? Yeah. And a lot of that was to create a false sense of, 
game length and also a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff was in the instruction booklets too yeah but now um, that it's been refined <laughs> it's super fascinating every time it comes up and i think yeah games that do it well use it for like really interesting narrative hooks or gameplay mechanics that wouldn't necessarily be interesting to have for the the full length of a game but are really interesting to have for the last like you know 45 minutes or whatever right um, we need to take a quick break here. Okay. Uh, a commercial break, maybe. Ooh, <laughs> go ahead that's and, fun. Go ahead and give them a commercial. I'll be right back. Okay. With Square, Square, Square Chew, you can, you can get a, a Square, a Square One, a Square Heart. With Square Chew, you can make a website for your dog. That's it. Well, no people Blue websites. Chew is, Blue Chew is the, 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 the Viagra. I know, it's the boner one, but this is not Blue Chew. <laughs> this is Square Chew. Square well, Chew doesn't Square give you a boner. Square Chew makes websites for your dog. <laughs> God. Sorry. I'm not trying to sorry. court real sponsorships, Duncan. That's where that's where the... Right, right behind you. Look behind you. That's the <laughs> offer code for Square Chew. Right there. Make your uh, website about your dog, not your dog's boner. It's not a Bluetooth website. Make a website about <laughs> your dog. And we are back. We had weirdly no sponsors. Well, hold weird. On. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see whether or not we had sponsors. Maybe we had sponsors <laughs> about making websites for dogs. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> Just maybe. Um, so we've been playing Near Replicant for the podcast. Maybe don't check out the first episode hey, but you know maybe what? the next one yeah check check out the first episode check it out maybe you like it maybe you like it maybe no. you'll like it just a warning you know uh, some of our other episodes are better who knows who knows <laughs> anyways don't judge uh, us on that one but if you're listening exactly. to this one you're probably not going to judge us on that one so whoa 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 hold on i'm taking a quick pause here do you think this is bad no, I'm saying... Are you not enjoying your time? No, that's not... Duncan, I'm saying that if they're listening to this one, they're probably listening to the majority of our episodes and aren't going to judge us based on a bad episode. Oh. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyways. What, why are so, you so... <laughs> Near Replicant. Um, <laughs> we've been playing Near Replicant for the podcast and also because we love L-O-V-E. Uh, Alex and Near Automata sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes androids, then comes robots. Now he's crying all by himself. <laughs> I liked Near Automata as well. Um, I was going to say, so, that's our fucking number three game of all time on our fucking podcast list. <laughs> so put it all on me like, I love Near Automata, you fucking loser. You like thinking you like about robots so and getting sad. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Um, but anyways, so we, 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 we played this remaster, um, which, you know, if you, if you were not aware, um, Gestalt or, Gestalt. or, or Repli- Gestalt? Gestalt, thank you, I don't know. uh, came out 10 years ago, approximately, um, and, and the remaster is, is out now, um, so, so we've been playing that as well, and it has a lot, a lot of design stuff, uh, that is, uh, feels a lot older from that, you know, Xbox 360, ps3 era sort of gameplay and i think our guest josh really pinned the nail on the head when we when i listened back to it uh, of of um it's got a lot of mmo vibes where it's Mm, like mm -hmm, go mm -hmm. get me 10 mutton and 10 iron and 15 logs um and it's very weird seeing that in a game like right now and especially uh, how well autonomous crafted it's it's odd seeing it so 
I think I just kind of we kind of wanted to talk about it for a little bit. And was there was there something like was there a specific bit you wanted to talk about? I or just kind of feel out. I I just think uh, a lot of the the quest design is really interesting. Um, interesting to talk about. Let's clarify that. I think right, most of right. the quest design is dog shit. But the thing that I think is interesting is right. Like we we loved Near Automata. Uh, we loved Near Automata, but right, Near Replicant. <laughs> A lot of the like the actual physical what you're doing for a lot of these quests is not too too dissimilar from Nier Automata, right? You know, it is a lot of right. go to this place, kill X enemies, get this drop, bring it back here, give it to this person, get a little story bit, right? But I, I think the the thing that I I am realizing that a lot of games sort of didn't do and to some extent still don't do right like i i haven't played it but there's a a game called biomutant that came out today there's like a lot of controversy around it on the internet today i read a lot of people being very angry it was very funny um because it's reviewing not that well even though the game it looked really cool and i'm sure a lot of people yeah. are going to enjoy it quite a bit um but a lot of people are saying that the, the you know the, the quest design and the the world design is kind of repetitive it, or like the the way that they have you explore the world is kind of repetitive uh and it reminded me a lot of how i'm feeling about near replicant which is they they have quests that ostensibly have some interesting hooks right some of these are just quests to pad out the length of the game it's, hey go get 12 fish bring them back to this guy he'll say thanks here's money and that's the end of the quest line right but some of them do have interesting story bits associated with them um, but the thing that near automata manages to do is like to integrate the idea of why you're trying to go do this fetch quest into the narrative itself whereas the the narrative of the fetch quest in your replicant is like hey I have a quest, go do this fetch quest, gather something that's unimportant, bring it back to me, you'll get a story bit, but it's not like, it, it feels like it's two different pieces of a game that are like butting heads as opposed to meshing as one, right? Like, there are a lot of quests in Nier Automata I can think about where it's, hey, go do this sort of move to point A to point B to point to C, but you're doing investigative work there, right? Like, I, I think one, I was actually talking to my brother about this um, a couple of weeks ago where... I, I was comparing two quests that are essentially the exact same quests, like, you know, different, but in Near Replicant, there's a, a moment where you have to follow a little girl who's moving very slowly to get to a temple that she's going to, and she's walking out a set path, and you have to defend her along the way and walk slowly alongside her, and it's fucking miserable. It is just truly god-awful bottom-tier design, right? But in Near Replicant, there's a quest where you have to follow a group of robots that are walking around throwing a parade for peace. And you have to defend them against other robots that are trying to attack them. And it's one of my favorite quests in the entire game. And I think there's yeah. the, just that slight tweak on it. The the change from this is a escort mission to this is a mission of peace. And you are, like, helping out these people who completely, like, don't understand the concept of what they're going for. Like, it, it just tweaks it ever so slightly to make it palatable and reasonable for what you are doing. As opposed to this, which just makes it feel like, oh, you just didn't have the walk speed on this character high enough, right? Like, I think those small little changes like that have elevated games so far in the past decade that it's things you don't even notice until you go back and play games from a decade ago. And you go, oh, shit, they just weren't trying to do this at that point as much. And there are obviously exceptions, yeah. but, like, it's the type of thing that they were like, oh, people will just be happy to be playing a video game. That yeah, is this, and it's not true. You know, 
right and two things like like that's definitely still happening like today like i mean mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm correct me if i'm wrong but like 90 percent. i'm 90 percent sure that assassin's creed games still have you follow a same slow walking npc just speaking to you while you like have a different walk speed from them and are just following along having a very uninteresting or maybe slightly interesting conversation yeah. but also i think like Yes, it's partially the walk speed, but also the parade did not have a tremendously high walk speed. I think what it's, you know, and, and, and like able to keep up the pace with them, I think so much of what it's about is just world building, right? Like mm-hmm. every quest in Nier Automata or nearly every quest in Nier Automata had <laughs> so much world building associated with it in comparison to Replicant, where it was just like, it's very, you may get a little bit. But it's only ever about the NPC rather than the world that the NPC inhabits. Mm-hmm. Because you, Replicant has such a surface, like, easy-to-understand world outside of, like, you know, shades and things like that, where it's just to, to clarify, fantasy to villagers. Clarify, I won't be upfront. Up we have not beaten this game yet. So if there's some wild twist at, like, hour 25 or whatever, maybe we're missing that. But, you know, sure, we can still talk about w- it 20 it- hours in perfectly well. Yeah, I mean, the way it presents itself mm-hmm. for the first 20 hours, I think, is a fair analysis of it. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't do... It's, it's, it's go get me the thing. Great job. You did the thing. Here's a tiny little comment about something. Uh, like, I did... And, and even when they have an interesting premise, like, slight spoils um, for a side quest, and it's not even a really big deal, uh, so don't worry too much about it. Uh, but... It, there's an old woman who wants you to go retrieve cargo uh, that and she's kind of shady about it and you can decide to look into it or not look into it of like you know she doesn't want you to look at it and when you return it and not look at it absolutely nothing happens and if you look at it you know you you, you learn what she is transporting uh, but it's just i don't know it's very like they didn't do enough back then to build on their world and it's just so sad because i want to really love that experience but mm-hmm. it's so hard with that that older like you, like you said they'll just be happy to be playing a video game yeah i don't know i mean even you know i i did not play this game um so take that with the grain of salt but e- even like death stranding is a game where they were like hey what if fetch quest and escort missions was the whole game and like they just lead into that in a way that was like, oh yeah, but you're, this is all like, this is all part of this world. It doesn't feel excessive or egregious. It doesn't feel like, you know, and obviously some people did feel this way about that game. I know that, but like the idea is, Hey, everything you're doing, like that is your purpose in this world. Not just the quest marker you are going to your character exists to do these fetch quests for the world at large, right? And I think that, yeah. like, when you lean into it and weave the narrative and weave the, like, world into the quest lines in a way that I think, I, I just think that, techni- like, narrative design has been so highly, like, sought after in a lot of these larger games or a lot of these indie games for so much in the past the past few years that a lot of these complaints are, you know, lessened. Again, you're like, you know, you said, there's there's still Assassin's Creed games that are, you know, maybe just throwing this out there and having you walk around people. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in a long time. I don't actually know if that's true of them. I don't want to throw them under the bus for no reason. But, like, there are still games that are, you know, guilty of this, though I think, generally speaking, they're, you know, again, 
we excuse it more with modern games because they are also using modern like you know combat and movement design so it feels better to inhabit that world than near replicant which is a 10 year old game um but i i just think that the the bar for narrative design in games has been raised so far over the past couple of years that it's it, it's made it a much more enjoyable experience when when games really land this uh this this weaving of their world and their their narrative and, and quest yeah. design and everything together and i think it, it's it's slightly attributed to just how young game like game development and games are i mean you think about how long movies have been around and books and even longer and shit like that and it's like eh, when when games were first coming around it's like the people like the art like the artists or the programmers would like write the game like mm-hmm. there wasn't like a game writer you know what i mean and and i think you know something like an example like replicant definitely had like you know writers and things like that yeah. but i i'm sure like for things like side quest it was not you know to that same extent where they're like um this game should be 60 hours just just fill it with side quests and write yeah. them for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm sure that happened. Um, you know, again, it, that's speculative. But. It obviously still does happen to some extent, but but much less. So I, and also, I think some of it is game studios recognizing um, with the popularity of some, like, major story-heavy games, right? With the popularity of, like, you know, your God of War and your Last of Us and things that are these huge marquee games that are very story-focused. I think narrative right. design has been given a slightly higher rung in that totem pole, right? Like, because is, there is still just a, there is a degree of communication that happens between departments on larger games like this that I think for a lot of times when, you know, early games were a little bit younger, it was like, oh, hey, we've built this game, and then we decided that this part doesn't work, so we just scrapped the whole thing, and like, okay, cool, but the narrative designers weren't given time to then fix it and make the game work, so it's like, oh, yeah, so that section just doesn't work anymore, sorry, P- push it out the door anyway, um, and I think that, that that degree of communication between departments has a huge impact on on how we then perceive the game as an audience, uh, and I think it's really interesting to see how that has has likely changed over the years. Even games like Mass Effect, which I recently watched a playthrough of the majority of it, again, struggles from from this. It's like, hey, the narrative is great, the characters are great, the writing is great, but there are poorly designed quest lines that feel like they were tossed to the side. It was like, oh, hey, go to this place and do this thing and get a little money and get like a, you know, five-sentence codex entry about why what you did was important and that's it and that's the whole quest and you're like oh they probably would have fleshed that out a lot more if they had put more like time and budget into that but you know I, right. i'm not gonna and, i'm not gonna lambast that game for that because it's one of my favorite game series of all times but still and i mean to 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 backline a lot of these games i think so much of it is so optional like that mass effect thing you mentioned mm-hmm. and and some of the 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 quests i'm bitching about in replicant they're all like a lot of these are optional the one alex mentioned where you have to follow the the character with slow walking speed is not optional but a, a lot of these things where i'm like man it's just all these friggin' quests and it takes so long and you know it, it's about collecting logs and shit, stuff like that is it's you know they're they're all side possibilities but it's so clear to me like the main quests are just guised with those they're just a little bit more interesting where mm-hmm. it's like hey i need this specific part in this junkyard to do something that will progress the story and it's kind of like i can definitely see 
through your design and like why this encounter needed to happen because you wanted an encounter in between the story bits. Um, and it's very rare to feel like, you know, it, it is flowed properly, such like a lot of modern encounters. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that has to do with things like budgets with, you know, creating more interesting scenes and um, technology of being able to create bigger worlds and, and more things like that. Because I think they had to design around a lot of things where it's like, okay, we can only have the world be this big. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 I think that's a, an issue that plagues a, a lot of older games and things like that of, of limitations and what they actually wanted to make. So sometimes it makes me question if it's like, is this just bad design or were they just not able to do what they wanted to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting, right? I, I was just, I read a really long thread recently from uh, Kara Ellison at Kara Ellison on Twitter, um, who is a narrative designer talking about like the, the issues that they run into and like you said, like, you know, budget allocation and time allocation restrictions and where that ends up leaving narratives and things that people look at as issues in stories and complain about, you know, quote unquote, writing and games and not recognizing where those issues came from. Um, and I, I, I think I am glad to see those. I mean, obviously, those things are still huge issues and, and people are, you know, I still genuinely think that narrative design and games needs to be given a lot higher priority than it is, but it's it's nice to see that not as prevalent as it seems like it was, especially in like the, the late two thousands and twenty tens and, you know, before then game stories were kind of, you know, still finding their footing and everything like that. But it's it's I don't know. It's it's very interesting to think about. And then there's obviously exceptions to those rules, right? Like I I'm sure there are, you know, games that you could point to from the late 90s that are like oh no look at this completely different right you know this is just better this is you know has none of those issues but those are always exceptions right those are not the rules by any stretch of the imagination um though i will say talking about narrative design in any length whatsoever makes me appreciate outer wilds a hundred times more i'm just like no yeah they just did everything (laughs) perfect huh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah they really did um i kind of wanted to like just to kind of switch our gears a little bit too is I I, I kind of thought in these last moments and 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 also like within the last couple of year I've thought about how weird it is that we really like worship two particular like generations of systems and the ones in between just like don't get a lot of love and I wonder if it's because it's like difficulty of emulation or like just like it it just makes people super nostalgic but thinking about like the nes and snes uh applications on the switch and things like that of like hey here are all these games for those two systems and and presenting those to you i think it's super i don't know i just i think it's super strange how fixated people are on those two like generations and i wonder if that has to do again with like things like limitations or uh of like okay you can only usually design on a 2d plane so the games are a lot like cleaner and smoother because these like kind of like in between awkward like growing up weird teenage years of like ps2 uh you know gamecube like growing up into 3d n64 ps1 era games i feel like just don't get as much rehashing of like here's a 
uh, non-emulation way to play these games, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I don't know. I, I, I got to thinking about it, and I think, do you feel like the those kind of games get worshipped a lot more of, like, being like, oh, wow, the NES and SNES games are, like, top-tier perfect games. And when I play them, I don't know if I feel the same way <laughs> because I didn't grow up with them. But I don't know how you feel about those. Yeah, I, I think there's something interesting there. And I, I think a lot of it does have to do with um, specifically, like you were saying, you know, PlayStation 1 era games and, and, and 64 era games. You know, a lot of them were trying to understand the transition to 3D. And there was just like a lot of jank around the edges of, oh, you just didn't you didn't know how to do this yet because it hadn't been done very much. So I do think there is, you know, some degree of uh, just uh, nascency, maybe, of, of those games where it's, hey, they're just they're so early on in those in those development cycles, right? And I think it's kind of the same way that you, you see a ton of NES and SNES games, but you don't see a lot of Atari games that are easily accessible. You don't like see a lot of Amiga games that are true. easily accessible, right? So because I think those like nes and snes is when people really figured out how to design in the space that they were largely working in um and obviously there are examples of that style of game today that are you know as good if not better than all of those games from back then um but i think those were they were just so at that point understood what the crafting of that type of game should be that i think people were really comfortable with that and then kind of wanted to ignore you know, the ps1 is like the awkward teenage years of games i feel like you know where it's just like oh yeah they're they're growing up and learning a whole lot about themselves but they're <laughs> also they also don't know a whole lot about themselves or how to behave or do what they want with their bodies and it's all gangly and weird <laughs> um i feel like that's kind of why people stray away from that a little bit because yeah, I mean, you, also, yeah. you, you don't see as much PS2 or like original Xbox emulation type stuff, but that you know, part of that is probably just technology saying, "Hey, it's those games actually got to the point where they were significantly bigger, and it was hard to to do stuff with them and, and port them to other consoles and whatnot." Yeah, I think that's a great point about like Atari and like older 2D systems and things like that being around before that, because it's kind of like. I feel like we're probably entering that same age or have already entered that age of like, okay, people know how to make games in 3D now um, and things like that. And and now we're kind of entering that golden era of that 3D and things like that. So yeah. I don't know. That, that's, that's, that's a good insight. Mm. Um, and now people can play with uh, interesting ideas on top of that, right? They can play with narrative design. They can play with, you know, spatial design. They can play with, you know, I, th- I think that's why we're seeing more games that are willing to kind of, explore this weird area specifically in indie spaces that i think are 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 super interesting um yeah do you have uh, this is genuinely a question um because i was thinking about this do you get any like embarrassment or secondhand embarrassment or anything like that when showing people young like games you enjoyed a lot when you were younger um because i thought about that like i thought Mm. about specifically our very first stream we we ever did i think it was the first stream we ever did where you played a bunch of ps1 games from my childhood yeah Uh, Yeah. and i i I compare that in my mind to like showing somebody like a youtube video or a comedian like a comedy bit or something you liked that just didn't age very well and and watching them like not enjoy it um 
and I, I feel very differently about games for the most part, but I do think there were a couple of points where I was like, no, 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 you just don't, you don't understand why Bushido Blade's so cool. You just don't really, get, you don't get it. You don't understand. Klonoa's very cute. Maybe you just don't understand how cute Klonoa is. Um, but I was curious if you got any degree of that when, when showing those games to other people at all. Yeah, I mean, like, I have a... and. And I think this dips a little bit into nostalgia where it's like you look at those old pieces of content with with such rose tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. And I, I I love Mario Party. I love Mario Party so much. Mm. But if I sit mm. four people down for Mario Party, I think they get confused as to why I enjoy this so much. <laughs> and, and I mean, people like Mario Party, yeah, right? Like sure. that's not a super embarrassing game to enjoy. But I feel like for people who aren't like seasoned vets like me that have just like loved every single one of them and like played them by themselves which is like a psychotic thing that's to do fucking and you played mario party by yourself that's fucking insane all the that time when I was you a kid. that is uh, that is both the most psychotic and depressing thing i've ever heard what <laughs> what listen what i had to practice the mini games i had to practice them and unlock the maps because if you had the cool maps then all your friends would come over <laughs> Oh, no, I, I got I got Bowser's big sat big I got I got Bowser's big lava land on my my Mario Party three. Do you? No, I'm coming. You're gonna come over to my house. That's how it worked. <laughs> you can bring all bring all your friends. We'll have snacks. You can come over yeah, to my exactly. house. I got Bowser's big lava land. Um, but <laughs> I think Mario Party is like the prime example of that. Where I'm like, oh, you guys are gonna love this game. It's so much fun. And then they sit down, and I don't think people enjoy it as much as i maybe think mm-hmm. so but um but you know other than that go ahead sorry. so I, I the other thing i think is really interesting is i feel like you know barring you not understanding bushida blade which is your own fault and me maybe not remembering klonoa as clearly as i should i do feel like i have a really i, ha- I feel like i have a much better barometer for how well a game probably aged than i do for other type of media right like i, I feel like it's very easy for me to be like, oh, I loved this show or I loved this movie. And then like, it, it's great. I'm sure it's still great. And then to rewatch it and be like, actually, it's not great. But I feel like with games, I, I, it's much easier for me to be like, oh, this old game probably wasn't good. And like, here's the things <laughs> yeah. about it that I recognize yeah. that would bother me today. But I don't necessarily recognize that in other forms of media quite as easily. And I think it's, inter- you know, I'm sure it's just there's an interactive element to it. But I do think it's kind of interesting to think about the fact that, hey, like, my brain is much more readily available to pick these apart than it is other types of media, even though this is the type of media I engaged with the most and probably have the most emotional attachment to. Sure. What, what Did you have, like, specific games you were thinking about where you're like, oh, uh, that would be weird to show someone today or whatever, like, that, that you enjoyed? Uh, and do you still enjoy that? I, I, I think most of them, most of them weren't, like, you know, e-problematic or anything like that, you know? Uh, no, most of them's no. just like, oh that's going to be actually boring. Like, I remember liking that, you know, when we were talking about streaming one of the games that I was I was talking about, a streaming with Brigandine, which is a game that I love dearly to this day. Um, but I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be fucking boring for you, though, because it's, a sl- it's like, ludicrously slow, and it does a lot of stuff that is just, it aged very poorly, right? And I think that type of mentality of being like, oh, you know, 
Time Splitters 2 is amazing. It's the best co-op first-person shooter I've ever played, <laughs> except for it's probably bad now. It's the thing is it probably doesn't feel good, and it's probably frustrating, and it probably has a lot of mechanics that don't hold up in like lieu of how we view first-person shooters and how they're supposed to play today. And like I, I'm just much more equipped to dissect those games. Yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like why my answer to it was maybe like, oh, I don't know, is more like I would never show people some of the like games I enjoyed, not out of like embarrassment, just knowing like, oh, this is not good today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, like I think about I played so much um, Jedi Outcasts, I think it was called on the GameCube. I, I my mean, friends that I played that multiplayer like constantly. Not good, not no. good, but. <laughs> It was just what it was there, and it was what, what, what was what was good. Another example I have is I streamed um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, um, <laughs> Chain of Memories, which I thought was like the shit. I'm like, people like this game. Uh, you know, there I remember there being cool fusions. It, it kind of went outside the Yu-Gi-Oh! mold, and I played it for two hours, and I was so upset because I thought. <laughs> Like, I thought it was going to be really, like, intuitive to get back into. I thought it was a really smart game. It is, it's got some of the the fucking worst mechanics I've ever seen. And I'm just like, what? I'm I'm almost glad I did it by myself. Because if you would have been there, I would have been, no, no, I remember it. I remember it being really cool, um, but it's not. It, 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 to just rant about it for a quick second as to why. It, it, it has fusions, but it doesn't tell you what fusions go with what. So you have to guess and just sort of remember. But also the criteria for the fusions is just fucking out of control. God bless whoever was in the chat trying to help me understand it. But they were like, yeah, yeah, you got to combine female and hourglass. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, uh... (laughs) A lot of the fusions just didn't make sense, even though they had like types like there was beast and dragon and robot and things like that. And I went, okay, you know, dinosaur robot, maybe that'll work. It does work. Okay, element fairy. No, that one doesn't work. Really? Really? It doesn't doesn't do it. Oh, it's because it's not a female. Got it. Understood. (laughs) Um, So I think I think some of those games that were like, okay, you know, let's design it to be purposely confusing make people spend a lot of time with it had to learn all the fusions and things like that was great back then because that's exactly what i needed but um now not so much and i think so much of that like hey let's create a game that has infinite time associated with it which is like you know learning all the fusions is now just replaced with multiplayer games and i just kind of had that thought where i'm like well what is what what do kids do now that like takes forever because Yu-Gi-Oh! duel a fucking uh, whatever that was chain of memories isn't it <laughs> it's not that so what is it now it, and hold it's kind on. Of it can't be called games. Yu-Gi-Oh! chain of memories that's kingdom Hearts. it is uh forbidden memories there Excuse is. okay me. there we go yep 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 but yeah, I, I do think you're right that the multiplayer games have kind of taken taken over. They've become so much more accessible. It's become so much easier to play multiplayer games, right? Like Among Us, you can play on your phone. And, you know, at most of these multiplayer games are just free. So all of your friends can play them if they, if they choose to. So I do think that's kind of taken, taken a ton of that. I also want to be clear. I'm not saying all old games are bad. I'm just saying I'm, no, it's easier no. for me to recognize what old games I used to like that are actually maybe not good anymore. Uh, because when you hopped into Colony Wars, I was like, ooh, baby, this game fucking whips shit still. This game's great. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I, I think that's that is really interesting to to kind of compare and contrast where kids are spending their time nowadays as, as compared to where we were with with older games like that and, and how much yeah. padding out was necessary at the time versus what it is now. Yeah, and, and that's why I loved I love I've been in really loving and I've been thinking more about playing older games on stream and they're not popular. No. They're not they don't do banger, but I love doing it because I love exploring that. We're being like was this a good game or was it not? Because I remember it being a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a lot of fun to do. And most people watching those streams aren't there for the same thing. They're more like, hey, I genuinely like this game. Yeah. So I do feel bad where I'm like, this is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we just but... gotta, we gotta start playing the popular older game. We gotta play fucking Chrono Trigger and Mario Boo, whatever for good. the seven stars or whatever. Mario RPG. Yeah, the ones Boo. that are like, good. Yo, I want to play Mario Teaches Typing. I remember that was a <laughs> banger. Uh, I wonder how much of my being able to understand that games, older games that I liked might not actually have been any fun at all is completely informed by us doing Follow Your Rainbow. And my brain just every single <laughs> level breaking and going, no, this one sucked too. Interesting. <laughs> I really thought it would be cool this time. No? Okay. If you're, if anyone's interested, uh, follow your rainbow, a series long for long forgotten in the depths of thoughts from player one, please listen to it. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done. Eggman gets uh, a fucking real Glock in one episode. It's it, bonkers. That game. Yeah. Uh, it was so much fun. We to break record. it down level by level. We need to do another one of those. That was the most fun I've ever had recording this podcast. <laughs> That's so sad. I mean, to be fair, is also uh, the prompt for those were usually, hey, have two drinks and then talk about two bad Sonic levels and make a bunch of jokes about the Property Brothers. So, yeah, we should play Sonic Adventure One. Oh my god, I've blast. played a little bit of it. It's it's worse than it's so two bad. somehow. Oh, it's so bad. It's, it's like an open world thing. Yeah, it's unbearable. It's fucking beyond miserable. I can't. I can't. I can't. I would love to though. I can't, I can't, I would love to. <laughs> um, well, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Any other games? Any other topics? Anything like that? God. Coming up on probably I, I, I kind of want to. So. All right. I, I, have a, I have a little fun game to close this out. Unless Ooh, you, do you have anything? No, I'm good. Okay. Think, I want, I want. I want to send you in an existential crisis. Oh, fun. And if, and if our listeners are older, maybe I'll send them in an existential crisis too. I want you to name a game that you remember really liking. Okay. For me, real quick. Any just an older game, an older game, like older, older game. Mm, it could be from your childhood or your teen years, or maybe even like early twenties, maybe. Okay. Give me uh, like uh, what about trying to find one that we haven't explicitly talked about on the show that could be interesting. Um, we could. We could have talked about it. It's fine. I think I really liked... I don't know. I played a lot of JRPGs. I'll go Legend of the Dragoon because we've talked about it, but we haven't played it on yeah. the show. That was, oh, was man. Young. I used to own that game. You used to own that game? Game's worth fucking... Ca Actually, you know what? No, 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 no. Because I remember very little about that game. Give me fucking Legend of Lagaya because that one was a deeper cut and that game fucking kicked ass that game was so good also i listened okay. to the soundtrack not that long ago and it fucking slaps okay okay legend of lagaya the original one for came PS1. out not the original one not the one for, for ps1 PS2. 
came out 22 years ago. That sounds right. That sounds right. That sounds two right. Years ago. I I must I must have played that game when I was older. There's no way. Yeah, but I mean its release came out 22 years ago. You might have played it way way There's, you know in the future. Cuz that 1999 1999. 1999 20. was 22 years ago? Yeah, I guess it's 2021, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah. 22. Isn't that crazy? That's a long you know, time if I ever ago, need man. if I ever need like a vibe check of how long ago it's been, I always check out the release date of The Phantom Menace. That's like always what I do. That was what? That was like a 01. Yeah, uh 1999. That, that was, was also 1999. 99 was a good year. That's crazy. Holy shit. Uh, well, I shouldn't yeah. say 99 was a good year because The Phantom Menace came out that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. I watched The Phantom yeah, Menace not that long ago. It's fucking bad, but... That's my touchstone. When did Mario 64 come out? That has to have been... Actually, Mario Party 1. Mario Party 1. Mario Party 1 was for the SNES? Or was that for nah, 64? 64. Okay. It's still 64. When did this game come out? 1999 what the hell 99 <laughs> was an informative year for us my friend all right all right one more one more from you uh want, give me, want, maybe something a little bit later some give me city of heroes because i don't know when that game oh. I, i've played a lot of that game recently but i don't know when it came out any guesses i would say i remember playing it so middle end of high school i think so i would guess probably like oh six Mm. 2004, which would have been 17 years ago. God. And they've never made another MMO as good. That's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy that MMOs peaked 17 years ago. Man, someone left a review here. This game was a large part of my childhood. When my cousins and I could connect across miles in a flash, playing our Alta egos together, we would always play as heroes because of the of their father's aversion to villainy, but we would play villains in secret from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the most pure thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but we would, shh, shh, we would play villains from time to time. Don't tell my don't, cousin's don't, dad. Don't, Do tell, not tell, don't my tell uncle. dad. I'm going to log on and play City of Villains for 20 minutes. <laughs> that's oh so cool. my God. That's so, that's 17 so years though. That's, I mean, that's crazy. That is wild. Mm. I keep thinking. came out 10 years ago. 10 years ago. 10 years ago was that, what, 2011? Okay. Skyrim? They gotta gotta start fucking releasing that game if it came out 10 years ago. L.A. Noir. Okay. Skyward Sword. The original Dark Souls? Really? I thought that was way before. Bastion? I feel like this is good. I feel like this is a decent touchstone. Minecraft 10 years ago. Really? Is that come out of early access 10 years ago or did that Minecraft alpha? Uh, this is like a Google, that has to have been like, alpha. Bad. Yeah, yeah, I'd think so. Um, Star Wars The Old Republic? Really? Really? Hmm. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, that was, that's a pretty old one. That makes sense. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Oh, The Binding of Isaac 10 years ago. God oh. damn. Um, You've been a fan of that game for a long time. Well, I don't know if I. Okay, well, you, you were maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy, man. It, time keeps on going, right? <laughs> it's, it's not really like a, an insight. I can actually let me stop it. Okay, I've stopped time. Oh, well, cool. Yeah, 
I didn't. Yeah, I didn't so know you could just do that. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. You give me all the time. Is I there need. anything else I can help you with? Yeah, I mean, um, why? What? What else can you do? I can't. I cannot turn back time. Okay. To the good old days <laughs> when the mama said. <laughs> How old is that song? That song? <laughs> that was... Hold on. I do actually want to know now. I think that song was 07. No, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. That song was like 20, 2015, maybe? Nice! 2015! You got it on the yeah. mark! I loved me some good old whatever that band's called. But now we're stressed out. Used to play pretend. Used to play what pretend. What the fuck money. is the name of that band, Duncan? Um... 21 Pilots, that's it. Okay, gotcha. We're good. Yes, we're fine. Yes. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. I think they just released an album that everybody hates, but that's not the point. Anyway, we're off topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are super Let's off topic. All right. Let's call it. Um, thank you so much for listening to another episode of uh, No Controller Necessary. I didn't explain the premise. <laughs> I really thought um, you forgot you know, that you don't need a controller. One. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really explain the premise because we're not playing a game. You know, you get it. But uh, thanks so much for listening to another episode. You can check out our other episodes by listening to us on Spotify, any other place you get those podcasts. Um, we are streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thoughts from player one. We're playing Final Fantasy VIII. We're probably going to be dipping back into Danganronpa at yeah, some point. I think it's going to be good time. VODs. It's, we're also VODs of our Danganronpa playthrough on uh, YouTube. Th- thoughts from player one you'll find it we also have a facebook and a twitter where we post most of our episodes and like and retweet things we enjoy uh so at thoughts from p1 is that one it'll all be linked in the description as well as a discord channel um so hey anything it, else it's been a while since we've mentioned it so if you haven't yet and you're on our youtube page go watch we must build a zoo episode one it's great i'm not it's not like <laughs> me trying to get numbers because we're trying to revamp that series I just think that episode is really good. People should watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if and if this is like the 800th time you've heard Alex mention that, wait, I you don't have to watch it, but you can watch it again. I've watched it again. It's still good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, maybe maybe episode two isn't as great, but it's still it's still okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, thank you all so much again for watching. Or listening, not watching, for listening. <laughs> and without further ado, I will turn it to... Oh, my God. I forgot. Professor Pigment. Pigment. Professor Pigment. Thank you. Thank you. I'm making that part super loud. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Uh, she won't listen to it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. I'm going to turn it to... In the right corner... Professor Pigment Matcha Peaches. You never ever say who's in the left corner. Yeah, I never do. Hello, I'm Professor Pigment Matcha Peaches, here to bring you the color fact of the day. Do you like the color blue? Blue is one of the most popular colors. In fact, out of all the colors to choose from, shades of blue rank the most beloved for folks all around the world. While we may be accustomed to seeing blue skies and blue water who derive their color from tricks of light, blue pigment is very rare in nature. Because of the rarity of this pigment, blue paints were very difficult to produce. In ancient Egypt, the finicky process of making blue involved limestone and malachite or azurite and was prone to failure. 
The color ultramarine, known as true blue, was derived from the semi-precious gem lapis lazuli. Luckily, nowadays there are several synthetically derived blue pigments that won't break the bank. I really hope this fact blew your mind. This has been your color fact of the day. Tune in next time to Thoughts from Player One for more game discussions and color facts. See ya!